We are now down to six days and praying. I say praying because praying is more important than counting. So we are down to six days and praying, and I certainly hope that we all are doing that about our upcoming door knocking campaign. You know, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel according to Matthew in chapter 9, Jesus instructed his disciples that they needed to pray regarding what basically amounted to their upcoming door knocking campaign, and I use door knocking in quotes, but Jesus told them they needed to pray just before their upcoming door knocking campaign, before he sent them out on it during his first century ministry as well. Not only did Jesus do that, but he also took the time, he took the time to very specifically instruct his disciples before he sent them out about what their mission was and was not, where and where not to go, what and what not to do, and what and what not to say. We see that in Matthew chapter 9 beginning in verse 35. Follow along and you'll see this is the case. Matthew 9, verse 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus said pray. I've got compassion for these people. They're, they're weary and they're, they're heavy laden. And we know that in another place Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. You'll find rest for your souls. And that's what he wanted for these people. It's what he wants for people today. And, and so he told them, he said pray. Well, as we read on a little bit further about that in chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, Jesus selects 12 of these men. Of course, we know these were his apostles. But then look what he does when he goes to send them out. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, now watch this. Tells them where to go, where not to go, what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. He said, do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the sheep of the house of Israel, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, you tell them what to say, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. When you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, you're more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents 
harmless as doves. Now, we obviously know there's a lot of differences. Sure there are. They had the miraculous gifts. We don't. They weren't exactly going to knock every door in town. In fact, in Luke's account, he told them not to do that. But the idea here is, is that he is sending them out to do what? To preach the kingdom. He's, he's sending them out to tell people the good news. And so he tells them where to go and where not to, etc. He goes on to additionally warn them what to beware of in verses 17 and 18 of Matthew 10. Tells them what to be wary of. He tells them not to worry about what they will say, verses 19 and 20. And then he tells them to understand in verses 21 through 31 that their message is not going to be real well received by a lot of people. Matter of fact, some people aren't going to like what they have to say at all. And certainly as we read that, although it's not identical, we can see some parallels. So tonight, I want to follow that same sort of scriptural pattern by talking about some of those elements that are relevant to next Saturday's door knocking day. And in so doing, I'm going to use a lot of information from Brother Joshua Ortiz, where we had the opportunity in Lebanon, Missouri, to worship last Sunday morning, because the good folks up there in Lebanon are also preparing to be part of this door-knocking day. There's a lot of, lot of people and a lot of congregations that are involved in this nationwide door-knocking day, and, and they are one of them. And so Josh had put together this outline of some things, and I said, can I have that? <laughs> I'm going to turn that into a sermon. That is good. So I'm using a lot of his material, kind of tweaked it and, and made it our own. But first off is the purpose of or why we are participating in this door knocking event. Why are we doing it? People, the first greatest and far most important reason, bar none, the greatest reason is only one. Because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14 and verse 15. And he said, go and make disciples. Matthew 28 and verse 19. That's why we're doing it. We're not doing it. The main reason is not because of anything else other than that. We love the Lord. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And he said, go tell them. Go teach them. And we've been over a lot of these verses before. That's why we're doing it. It is because we love and appreciate all that he went through to save us, all that he went through on the cross. And one of the greatest reasons that, that he came to this earth and he was within reach of Satan and he was tempted as we are in all things. One of the reasons he went through the scourging and he went through that, yes, to save us, but to save us as we have talked about, probably all of you can tell me the reference, I'm not asking you to, but we've used it so many times and it is so true. He saved us so that we would then serve and sound forth his praises to the lost, Titus 2, 11 through 14 and 2 Peter 2 and verse 9. Now, granted, the idea of door knocking, of, of going and personally going to the lost in a given community to help educate them about the Lord and his word is certainly not the only way to evangelize. There are a lot of ways to evangelize. We understand that, we know that. But as we look at Matthew 9 and 10, which we read from, Jesus approved of and pretty much utilized this version with his own disciples that they would at least go from town to town. We're not gonna go from town to town, but that they would go out. And, and some of those things, again, are, are relevant to us and how to do it and what to say and what not to say and those sorts of things. 
So tonight, as we talk about that, some of the arguments that are typically raised against door knocking today, and, and there are arguments against it, typically by those who'd rather not do it, if I can be totally frank, is that door knocking, number one, never works. Door knocking doesn't work. You know what? You want the biblical, actual, factual truth of the matter? Door knocking always, without exception, works. Works every time. Always works. You know why? Consider this. God wants us to evangelize. Is that true? That's right. God wants us to go and spread the good news of the kingdom to the lost. That's what he's told us to do. And door knocking is exactly that. It's a part of that process of going to the lost and telling them about Jesus. Therefore, door knocking always works because door knocking does what pleases God. You see, success cannot be measured in how many people come in from the door knocking efforts. Success is measured in the fact that if we do what God wants us to, isn't that a success? And God wants us to go. And he's told us to go and to evangelize. Therefore, door knocking always works. Even if everyone we talk to rejects us, no one opens their doors. If somebody takes one of the things we give them and curls it up and throws it at us, even if that happens, if that happens at every house, you know what? Door knocking has still been a success because we've done what God wanted done. We've gone to tell people the good news. Therefore, God is pleased with our efforts. But you know, door knocking has yielded some good results in the past. I was a little surprised to find this out. By the way, how many of you know Brother Ortiz, Josh? Raise your hands. Josh is a wonderful, faithful, dynamic gospel preacher. But here's the thing. His parents and his grandparents were converted because of door knocking. Don't say it never works. <laughs> Josh's parents, and he had this in his outline, he said, my parents and my grandparents were both converted and became members of the church because of somebody door knocking. Now I'm guessing, he didn't come out and say this, but I'm guessing if that had a lot to do with his parents and his grandparents' conversion, that down the line by extension, that's probably one of the reasons he was converted. And so, let's not say it doesn't work. Another reason that people give for not wanting to go door knocking sometimes, second reason, it's old fashioned. <laughs> Technically speaking, everything we seek to do in the Church of Christ is old fashioned. We're following a plan that's 2,000, well, it's before the time began, it was actually put in place, but we're following a worship pattern that is 2,000, you want to talk about old? but it is just as pure and perfect and holy and righteous as the day it was penned. Listen, just because something is old does not mean that it is useless or bad. You remember Jeremiah 6 and verse 16? You remember what God told his people? Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Just because something is old-fashioned does not mean it is not powerful. Because if so, we have a problem with the scriptures. A third reason people 
raised for not wanting to go door knocking. Well, we've tried that before and it didn't work. Do yourself a favor and go home tonight and read Luke 5, 1 through 6, or just be here Wednesday night when we discuss that passage. Luke 5, 1 through 6. We've tried it before, it didn't work, so it won't work this time. And I'll leave that one at that. Besides the fact, by far and away, the most important fact, the reason that we're doing it is because we love the Lord and he said to go. The second reason to be a participant or involved in this particular door knocking event next Saturday, and this is really cool. Even though it's not the primary reason, doesn't even begin to approach the primary reason, this is cool. This is part of a nationwide, in fact, worldwide mission being conducted by literally hundreds hundreds of other congregations of the Lord's Church. Did you know that? House to House, Heart to Heart has been promoting this. Their goal when they started out, they wanted 200 congregations. If they could have their first annual nationwide door knocking day, and if they could get 200 congregations interested and involved in going out and knocking doors for the Lord, they, that's what their goal was, was 200. As of this past Friday, I talked to one of the brethren there. Two days ago, they had 541 congregations signed up. That's powerful. 541 congregations around the world that are going to be door knocking this Saturday. They had 541 congregations signed up from 42 different states and 25 countries. 42 states and 25 countries. Including now us at Shoto Hills. You know, there's no telling how many other congregations besides the ones that have signed up are going to do this because quite frankly, I've been wanting to do this and, and some of the leadership here has said, hey, what do you think of this and this is a good idea and these sorts of things. And I've been kind of planning and preparing for this and lessons and stuff for a while, but we weren't signed up until Friday. So all I'm saying is there are probably other congregations out there that didn't sign, I don't think it's limited to 541 is my point. That's the amount that have actually signed up. So we will be door knocking. We will be seeking to spread the good news of the kingdom simultaneously with our brethren from Lebanon, Missouri and 539 other congregations all over the world at the very least. Isn't that awesome? You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds almost like the first century church being in unity and turning the world upside down. Doesn't it sound like that to you? That many of us doing the same thing the same day? They turned the world upside down, Acts 17.6. Let's turn the world upside down Saturday. We are not alone. A third reason for door knocking. Door knocking helps you learn how to better and more effectively talk to various types of people about the hope that is within you, 1 Peter 3, 14 through 17. Brethren, door knocking is a learning experience. And I've had shreds of this conversation with at least one other member of the congregation, but I want to just take a minute and talk about this. It's a, it's a learning thing. And I believe one of the reasons maybe today that we don't have adults that know how to door knock or are comfortable with it is because they didn't do it as teenagers in the church. This is an incredible opportunity for our teens 
to go out with us and see how this is done, to experience this. Listen, when you and I have gone home to be with the Lord and our bodies are in the ground, our, our kids and grandkids, our young people that, that go out and learn how to door knock, if they live another 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, 90 years, and they continue faithful, and no matter where their travels take them in the world, maybe a job, maybe they move to Alaska or Florida or Maine, who knows? But whatever church they're a part of, if they learn early on how to door knock, that is a talent and a skill. It will make them comfortable all their lives talking to people about Jesus. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Well, how do they learn? They learn by doing. They learn by watching us do the same thing. And long after we're gone, what we do with these annual door knocking days starting this Saturday, they're going to do this once a year. What they learn, they can take with them after we're long gone. That is wonderful. We're going to make some mistakes along the way. We are. If any of, any of you think this entire congregation, all of us to go, are going out there and not say one thing that's a mistake anywhere along the line, I, I'm telling you, I don't think that's probably going to happen. We may make a mistake. But hopefully this lesson will help us lessen some of those mistakes. So let's talk about the process itself. The process itself. You can tell, ask people to do something, you need to say, this is how it's done. Jesus told them how he wanted it done. The process itself, our first, foremost, most important by far goal is one thing. Get people into a Bible study. That's it. Get them into God's word. That's, our most, that's, that's what we're trying to accomplish. That's what, Joel, uh, uh, that's what Josh said up there in his outline as well. The first most important thing is to get them into a Bible study. That, that's most important. Our second, by far second, way down the ladder second, with a big gap between first and second aim, is to get them to visit our services. Now, why would I say that? I've preached it here, I've taught it, several of you have heard it more than once. In the first century church, you will never find in the book of Acts where anybody invited anybody to church so that they could learn the gospel. The church and her assemblies are for those who are already saved to sing God's praises for what he's done for them, to give to God, to hear a lesson from God, to get charged up so they can go out and show other people what an awesome God they have. The assembly was primarily designed, and that doesn't mean we can never invite anybody, but the primary purpose of the assembly is not evangelism. It's to encourage the saints to go out and do evangelism. In the first century church, we've been over this. We've gone through the whole list. What were people always doing when somebody had a question and wanted to talk scripture? What did they do? Sit right down with them and talk, talk to them about it. Taught them out of the Bible, right? Brethren, we can say all we want about coming to church and we're the church and we're this and we're that and something else, but if we don't sit down and show them in their Bibles, we're just another religious voice amongst a whole sea of them. So our primary goal is to get them into a Bible study. Secondly, to get them into services. We need to really emphasize the Bible study part. And here's an idea of how it should go. Groups of two. That day, we're, and we'll take care of the We'll take care of the, the way it's all going to be set up through the week, and we'll talk about this when we get together Saturday morning starting at 9. But groups of two, no more than three at the absolute most. We don't want people to think there's a posse on their front door. There's 15 people, you know? No, that, that's no. Two people at a time, three at the most. 
is all we should have. Now, each little tandem of two will have with them copy of house to house. We'll round these up. We'll have them ready to go Saturday morning. Every tandem, if, if Eric and I are one of the tandems and, and we go out to the door, between the two of us, we'll have one copy of house to house, which we will keep. These are not to give out unless we absolutely have to. These are to keep. Okay, and you'll see why and how it fits into the scheme of things as we go on. So keep that. Each little team of two will have one, will have two of these flyers. This one is, what does the church have to offer me? This one is, what to expect when you visit a Church of Christ. Now these are to be given out at the little team of two's discretion after the conversation. You might have somebody say, well, what does your church offer? Well, that would be a good one to give them. What does the church have to offer me? You might have somebody say, well, I've never been to the Church of Christ. I don't know anything about it. Well, well here's kind of something, you know, if we can't get them to have Bible study, here's... So you pass these out at your discretion. You keep the house to house, pass them one of these at your discretion, and if you don't think that either one of these fits, don't give them one, okay? Be a good idea, I've got some on the table out here, be a good idea if you wanna know what's in each one of these, so that when you get to the door and you get to talking to people, you'll know which one is appropriate to give them. Out here on the table, I put copies of each of these. You wanna take them home this week and just read through them so you'll know, get familiar with them, so you know what you're giving them? Take one. Just Bring it back because we need all we can get to hand out to people that don't know the Lord. The other thing which you will have, and everybody should get one of these any place somebody answers the door unless they just absolutely slam the door in your face. These are really beautiful. Everybody should get one of these. These are bookmarks that the elders approved having made. There's a big box on the corner of that brown table. You can't miss it out there. About that big, about that big. And there are 2,500 of these in it. On the front, it's got our telephone number, our address, two websites, and it also says find us in the Word of God in Romans 16, 16. They can find us on the web. They can find us at this location, but I want them to know that we can find, they can find us in the Word of God as well. Because if they can't find us in the Word of God, we shouldn't do, be doing this Saturday. And the back's got our service times and all of that. Good, good quality Bible bookmarks. Now, I'm not asking you to pick these up for Saturday because we're going to have the majority of them for Saturday on the buses and ready to go. But here's something else, just a brief aside from this coming Saturday's event that you can do. On your way out tonight, take two or three of these. Two or three. Not to work with Saturday. Take two or three. Put them in a business envelope. Put them in a the little side pouch of your car or the glove box. Ladies may be in your purse just so they don't get damaged. When you go into a restaurant, you pay a tip, leave one with the lady. When you stop and, and buy something and you know the person and you've dealt with them for a long time, say, hey, got something for you, got a, bio, got a bookmark. You know, uh, it says on the back of it, we also offer personal in-home Bible studies to answer your Bible questions. Let them know, hey, we'd like to sit down and have Bible study with you. So there's a box of those out here. So this is how the visit should go. Walk up somebody's door, team of two, knock on the door, what's the first thing you should do? Step back. Knock on the door and step back. Some of these folks you walk up to their door, they aren't gonna know you from a hole in the ground. You get some of these folks that live alone, they come out and they see somebody my size standing at the door, they're gonna think twice about opening it. 
You take some of these widow ladies and some of these folks in town, step back away from the door, it's just a polite thing to do. When they come to the door, we should say something like this, and again, out there on the table, if you want to take one of these home to kind of get comfortable with it, this is my suggestion, you can say anything you want, but this is, this is kind of the idea. Hello, my name is, now I'm a member of the Lord's Church, which meets over at 315 North 6th Street here in Shoto. We're the folks who send you out house to house, heart to heart, in the mail six times a year. You, you get this? What do you think of it? They may say, I hate it. I use it to line my parakeet cage with. Okay. Remember, you're only there to spread the word. What they do with it's up to them. You're there to spread the seed of the word of God like the parable of the sower. What they do with it's up to them. Don't get angry with people if they say, yeah, I, you know, I use it to line my parakeet cage. Well, sorry about that. <clears throat> Continues on. The reason for our visit today is to get to know our neighbors and to let you know that we understand that everybody has Bible questions. Everybody has Bible questions regarding God or Christ, life, death, heaven, hell. And, and what we'd like to do is let our friends and neighbors know we'd love the opportunity to sit down with you and help you find biblical answers, help you find God's answers in, in the Bible. Would you be interested in that? That's all we have to say. Can, can we all do that? Especially if we got it in script. <laughs> now we don't walk up, obviously, you know. But that's the general idea. We're not there that day to have a Bible study with them. Now, at that point, they might say something like this. No, I go to thus and such church. I'm a whatever brand of denomination. You know what our response should be to that? That's okay. We'd still love to study the Bible. Everybody's got Bible questions. We all use the same Bible, right? And we do use the same Bible, right? Pretty much, except for one or two, you know, far out there groups, but. Well, I'm gonna keep going to thus and such church. Okay, you can keep going if you like, but would you like a Bible study? We can sit down and study God's word with you. Because listen, if they wanna go and continue going to their church, are they gonna anyway? Sure they are. So when they say, well, I'm gonna keep going to my church. Okay, you can keep going to your church if you want. But the thing is, if we can get into a Bible study, that may change. That's the whole idea. We're not there to win an argument. We're there to win a soul. They might ask other questions about, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, aren't you the group that doesn't have music? Aren't you the group that doesn't allow women to exercise their gifts? Aren't you the group that whatever? You know what our answer needs to be to that? Here's our answer. You know what? That's a good question. We're trying to cover the town today and get the information out there. So I don't have time to do that answer justice, to biblically answer your question fully today, and you'd ought to have it fully biblically answered. That's why we'd like to set up a Bible study. Would you like to sit down and take a look at that in God's Word with somebody? Is that reasonable? Because we're not there to have a two-hour Bible study with somebody. We're there to get the information out there, and if they want to study the Bible, they've got all of our information, and that's what we're trying to do is get those set up. They might ask us questions like, well, do you do help with electric? You may get a few financial questions. You know what the answer to that question is? We have elders who oversee what the church does financially. Um, certainly they, they can talk to you if that is something as we progress here, but what we're really about today is out trying to set up Bible studies. Would you be interested in a Bible study? As I said earlier, at that point, you hand them one of those two pamphlets at your discretion. 
or else just a bookmark because everybody gets a bookmark. That's all we're out to do. And I'm explaining it tonight because I want you to understand we're not there to get involved in the Bible study that day. We got a lot of ta houses to cover Saturday in about four hours. We're going to go from about, uh, we're going from nine in the morning. We'll leave here probably around quarter of 10. Uh, we'll get together at a predetermined point for lunch at 12. We'll compare notes, see what part of town has been covered well and what hasn't. We're going to have maps. And then we'll probably work till about two in the afternoon. So a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours after lunch. Anyway, this takes us to the point, rules we must be careful to follow, both for safety and legal reasons, as well as the success of the gospel and the reputation of the church. Rules that we have to follow for safety, legal reasons, as well as the success of the gospel and the reputation of this church. Rule number one, do not split up where one is left by himself or herself at any time while you're door knocking. Do not split up. We need to go two by two. There is no reason whatsoever to have to go into anyone's home at any time, even if invited. Why don't you come in and we'll talk of no. We got a lot of ground to cover today and we'd love to have an in-home Bible study with you, but here's our contact info. We shouldn't have to go into anybody's home at any time. Certainly, never two women by themselves. And if it can be at all avoided, not at all, for any reason by anybody. If they want a Bible study, as I said, right then and right there. Got a lot of ground to cover. We'll set one up with you in two days. We, we want to talk to you about this, but we're trying to cover a lot of territory, something. Please remember, especially our teenagers, our young ladies, there will be other members of the church door knocking on the nearby streets. You're not going to be out there by yourself. We're going to have four different areas. You're going to have other members of the church door knocking on the streets nearby. All of you should know who are in that group around you. You should all have your cell phones charged and on you. You can call one of those people that's right in the street, the next one over. You can call one of our elders. You can call one of the other members. You can call me if you encounter any problems where you need assistance. Number two, another rule, the mailbox. Don't touch it. <laughs> Act like there is a 10-foot rattlesnake inside of it. Don't even get near it. Why would I say such a thing? Information Josh acquired from several different websites revealed the following, and I quote, the U.S. Code for Crimes and Criminal Procedure prohibits the placement of unstamped flyers in any mailbox. Title 18, Section 1725 states that any person who knowingly deposits mailable matter without postage in an established letterbox shall be subject to a fine. The Government Accountability Office reports that fines may be as high as $5,000 per occurrence for individuals and $10,000 per occurrence for organizations. This law is commonly known as the mailbox restriction. The restriction also includes anything placed upon, supported by, attached to, hung from, or inserted into a mail receptacle. If we say, well, nobody's home, I'll just put this in the mailbox. You can be fined 5,000 and the church can be fined 10,000 and only about six of us doing that and we can, you know, we don't need that. Don't touch the mailbox. Act like there's a snake in it. 
Watch for signs. This is interesting. If you see a sign that says no soliciting, soliciting actually means to ask for or try to obtain something from someone. Basically, it forbids people from selling something. Now, technically speaking, we're not soliciting. If you want to get technical, we're not soliciting. Soliciting means you're trying to sell something. We're, not we're setting up free Bible studies. We're not trying to sell anything to anybody. Okay, we're not charging them. So technically, we're not soliciting. However, what do we do then when we see a no soliciting sign? Move on. And here's why. Most people don't know the specifics of no soliciting and they will still consider you a solicitor. The last thing you want is to have to correct somebody says no soliciting on my step. Well, I know, but we're not selling anything. And technically, I don't care about you. We don't need that. It says no soliciting, don't. But even so, you still need to know that we are not soliciting. Because you may have to discuss that matter with a police officer if there's one around. Or someone might ask you, are you soliciting? You can say no. All right, do not go into businesses. Only door knock the houses on your map. Unless you know the owner, stick to the homes, because most businesses are places of, guess what? No solicitation, don't go there. If you go in and say to somebody in a business, hello, we're knocking doors, inviting people to whatever, they may question you and all of that. So don't get involved with that. Also, you have to be careful. Apartment complexes are sometimes listed as no soliciting as well, so you have to be careful. Obviously, don't knock on a door or place anything posted with signs that say no religious material or we go to church or beware. Be, you know what beware of dog means? Right. <laughs> it means beware of dog. Now they may not even have a dog. They may have a cat. They may not even have a pet. But beware of dog, yellow light, flashing, caution. Be really careful. Use your discretion. Okay? We don't need somebody getting their leg taken off. Brings us something to very serious, brings us to something very serious that I didn't realize prior to talking with Brother Ortiz. Being raised in the city, he knew this. Here's a sign for you. It's not a printed one, but shoes on a telephone wire. Just raise your hands, don't need to hear a word from anybody. How many of you know what that means? Shoes thrown over telephone. Okay, I didn't know this, okay? Could mean several things, but it is almost always associated with drugs in the area. First, it could be one, who lives there is so far gone on drugs they are considered past the point of no return and their friends will see them later in the afterlife. Secondly, it could mean that drugs are sold in that area and third, it could mean a gang claims that territory. Those are the primary meaning if you see a pair of shoes, sneakers tied together and thrown over telephone wire, don't do that. You don't need to go there. Extreme caution. Could mean just somebody was being smart and threw their shoes over the telephone wire. So use your discretion. But most of you know these two towns a lot better than I do. You know what's going on, so. General rules, we're almost through. <laughs> From Josh's outline, be happy. Do not act like the preacher or elders dragged you out to door knock. I love that. Christians are to constantly rejoice with joy inexpressible, 1 Peter 1.9, listen. If you're coming to door knock for the elders, if you're coming to door knock for me, if you're coming to door knock for you, don't come. Don't come. If you're coming to door knock 
for the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will come and you will be happy about it. He also said at the same time, don't exaggerate your character. People can tell if you're faking, hi, I'm Doug, and I'm just, yeah, right, you see you later, Joel Olstein, okay? Number two, besides be happy, don't argue with anyone. Do not argue with anyone. We're not there to win an argument. They're there to win a soul. Let me give you two verses, two passages of scripture. Do not argue with anyone. These two passages I will reference and read to you. Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 18 says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men, and if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Don't get in an argument. Walk away. A soft answer still turns away wrath. 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26 says, Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth, come to their senses, and escape the snare of the devil. Somebody who comes angry or irritated with you, politely excuse yourself and go to the next house. It's almost impossible to reason with an angry person. Have you, how many of you have ever gotten an argument, gotten a little heated, and said something in the heat of the moment you wish you hadn't said? It's part of anger. So don't let them cause you to be angry and don't respond to their anger. Don't get in a fight with anybody, a quarrel over words. Don't, don't get involved in a, an ignorant dispute for 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26. As to the people you will meet, they will be as diversified as those Jesus and apostles met as they went from town to town and place to place. You are gonna encounter staunch atheists, firmly convicted denominationalists, and everybody else in between. You are gonna have people who are religiously confused, you are gonna meet people who are socially confused, and you are probably going to see people who are even gender confused, even though they will be convinced that we're the ones that are confused. Be ready for that, it's gonna happen. You'll meet people with everything from pink hair to purple hair to green hair to gray hair to no hair whatsoever and everything in between. But no matter who they are, this is the bottom line. No matter who they are or what they may act or look or speak or seem to be like, every single one of those people is going to have a soul that Jesus Christ died for. Every one of them. Every one of them is going to have a soul. You're not going to meet somebody without a soul that Jesus died to save. I guarantee you that. Let us always be aware of that, because our first and overall mission is to save a soul. And so concluding, the following things. Please start, if you haven't already, with focused, fervent, personal, and congregational prayer for the success of this search and rescue mission. Number two. Get one of those little half sheets if you need to with a conversation suggestion on the way out. Get familiar with it this week so that it's automatic. Something along those lines. That's just my suggestion. Word it however you want, but along those lines. Number three, take just one, perhaps, of, of each one of these two tracks out there on the table that you'll be handing out so you can read through them and be prepared to give the one that is most appropriate to each situation. 
Number four on the way out, sign up to teach if you haven't already and it's something you'd like to do, an in-home Bible study with those we contact who want one. Let me just say this real quickly. After all, how would it look? How would it look to our community if we had nine families that said, you know what, I'd at least like, I'm going to go to the church I'm going to, but I'd at least like a Bible study. Yeah, I'd like to at least know why you guys teach what you teach. We have nine families or ten families and we have one person or two people signed up and we can't cover the request for Bible studies. Wouldn't that be a terrible reflection on the church? Why would the Lord bring us people to teach if we don't have the people to teach them? So sign up to teach if that's something that you can commit to once a week if the opportunity arises and please pray that it does. And lastly, in an effort to assist with our ongoing Save One Soul in 2019 theme, take two or three of those bookmarks out there and as we said, put them in a business envelope, put them in your car, your purse, your Bible, take them to work, keep them handy, leave them with a tip, leave them with your payment at stores, garages, restaurants, or anywhere else. And just as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ left these words with his disciples the night before he ascended into heaven to intercede for them until he came to take them home, I'm going to leave these words with you tonight, with us, with all of his disciples who have that same hope of eternity in heaven with him. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe shall be condemned. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know where these are coming from, right? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, as well as Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. If you're here tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel, you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, we would love to have you do that. If you need the prayers of the church, you need prayers to be more involved and for the courage to speak up and speak out, not just next Saturday, but to really give those bookmarks out and invite people, like it says, we want to answer your Bible questions. This is the mission the Lord left with us. If you need to be baptized or you need the prayers of the church to do that or the prayers of the church for anything you're struggling with, let us know right now, right now while we stand and sing.